1: make it so number one
0: what these are the droids we're looking for
1: in an insane world it was the sanest
0: choice silencio bruno
2: that's
0: my axe.
1: hey fellas either one of you know where the smithsonian is i'm here to pick up a fossil
0: i'm sorry dave i'm afraid i can't do that
3: geeks out on joy 94.9
0: you're gonna need a
3: bigger boat welcome back to the show i'm miranda sparks here with clayton with tamsin and Haley. it's a full house Mm -hmm. here in the geeks out studio in this special two hour show
2: miranda i say this very sincerely if you start playing the full house uh theme song i'm leaving
3: (laughs) i don't even think i know the full house theme it's been that long it has been that long now the year that's just gone by and it was just a few days ago 2021 if you can believe that there was a whole year of television and it it was it surprised me looking at this list how much had actually gone on in the space of that 12 months marvel absolutely blew it out of the water with one division falcon and the winter soldier loki what if hawkeye we got star wars the bad batch we just kicked off the book of boba fett Star Trek Discovery Season 4, as well as Prodigy, and another season of Lower Decks. We've had things like Season 4 of Boulay Brothers' Dragula, which Tamsin's been all over, Doctor Who Flux, Chapel Wait, so much more. I'm going to go just person by person, and let's talk about your personal picks, starting with Clayton. Hello. Hi. Hi. So, so what's your number one? for 2021.
1: I'm um, actually my number one is not strictly a geek property but we actually covered it quite a lot in here cuz we have that little clause where it says anything else we feel like talking about. It also definitely <laughs> falls into pop culture. So um and that was It's a Sin. So I absolutely love this show um five episodes I think. Um and it just Was such a beautiful capture of, um, HIV and AIDS in the eighties, which Mm -hmm. is not something in Britain, especially is not something I'm particularly aware of.
3: This was a Russell T Davies production, wasn't it? It
1: was. And for that reason, it has me super excited that he's coming back to Doctor Who because, (laughs) um, look, no, Russell T Davies did it. Um, and it's just so beautiful. I want this is, I wrote down what I want to say because I don't want to mess this up. So, even though, I, as per my last test, I'm a HIV negative person, I have been strongly connected to the HIV positive community, volunteering in the space for over 20 years. Um, I have loved and lost in that space, so as have many people. The series dealt with AIDS in such a way to make it heartfelt and strong with humour and with sorrow. Um, it was an amazing watch.
3: And it's definitely something that uh, resonates with a lot of folks here at Joy. Considering, Absolutely. You know, like where a station kicked off on World AIDS Day, mm-hmm. however many years ago it was, more than I can remember.
1: <laughs> uh 28-ish, I think.
3: Something like that. Yep. But still, I don't know, very, very close to our heart. Mm-hmm. Now, moving on from that, there's, you know, Division is something yeah. I think we're all in agreement about was a bit of a, a game changer when it came to... Streaming television, Clayton, I want to get your feelings on that.
1: So this would be my number one geek property. Mm. Um, and compared to, you know, the non-geek one. Um, look, this to me was like something old, something new, something borrowed, something scarlet. Oh, <laughs> so, um, uh. um, it was just beautiful. It was totally fresh, but it had so much nostalgia to it as well. And I just think it was kind of a perfect way for marvel to start their their refreshing
3: of the cinematic sorry the television universe which is the same but yeah i mean clay uh mm. Tamsin, you, so you also had this on your top list
0: well yeah but i don't know if you guys remember but we had a really big debate because i didn't like it when i first started <laughs> i hated the first two episodes mm-hmm. i was struggling to stay on the third and then it hooked me and yeah look completely agree with clayton and yourself it's definitely you know up there in my close to number one um it's just a to shows how Marvel can do a different, do a same story, but different. And so it definitely grew on me.
3: I mean, I think this one took everyone by surprise. And, uh you know, unfortunately, I don't think Marvel TV's, you know, anything has been as satisfying since. But, you know, we got something with a cinematic quality and it's performed, uh, um you know, the nigh impossible task of generating marvel hype post endgame i i thought that that would be the end of it and yet here we are still talking marvel a year later and still going to be years later after that um but you know in marvel Haley, you really enjoyed loki
2: yeah um i guess this is a bit of the dark horse pick here <laughs> out of all the marvel shows i i found loki a little more enjoyable a little more coherent than wonder with i mean Vision is meant to be incoherent as a watch but i felt loki was just a little better put together um i enjoyed an Um, exploration exploration yes there we go Uh, of loki as a character um the fact that he's so narcissistic he can only love himself with sylvie that's a lot of it's a fun little touch um, it was There was no real, like, any other major characters. Like, WandaVision, you had to share limelight with uh, one of the uh, Miss Marvels. Uh, the Vision, her kid's um, speed, and he's not called the Asgardian anymore, is yeah, he? He? Used,
3: to, he used to be called Wiccan. Wiccan,
2: Wiccan, yeah. yeah. And Wiccan, Though I think they've
3: changed that again. Oh, uh, yeah. They Give was. it ten minutes. Give it ten um,
2: minutes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> He'll become the next Yellow Yellowjacket. Just yeah. Once. There was... For this, that's for that's for this this series, all the Marvel comics fans.
2: Right up until the end, it was just all focused on Loki, and then we got that big kind of kick in the door reveal uh, with uh, Kang, which was a lot of fun. It was Shh, a little- spoilers! Oh,
3: spoilers! So has got to be careful. of Spoilers! <laughs> it's <gotta be> <laughs> well, although it's hard to tell what's a spoiler these days. Yeah, you know, there's right? So many they- of them flying around. I do want to turn back to Tamsin for a minute. You've you've been loving stuff that's coming out of the the Star Trek.
0: Yeah, so what I I thought really quick, like for that whole, like both Star Trek and Star Wars, there was some really good releases this year with stuff for kids and parents to watch. So Star Wars The Bad Batch, again, great little cartoon, had the kids in there and it had a really good adult content on it. And Star Trek Prodigy, again, great for those Trekkie parents and watching it with their kids and bringing them across. So lots of fun there. But my overall favorite between all of them was star trek discovery season four and i think clayton and i the queer normalized content on this is just the best that's been done in any series
3: i mean i really had my doubts on the on the relationship between the two prominent queer characters we kind of thought that we were having a bit of a bury your gaze thing but then science fiction happened and of course there is such thing as resurrection so we we get a bit of a happier story going on from that so i started to unbury (laughs) They started to unbury. I I think, you know, bury your gaze is okay when it's also, when it it comes to resurrect your gaze as well.
0: And also the non-binary and non- And and er, trans-mask characters. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic.
3: Now, I I do want to talk trans representation for a moment. We got got a fair bit of, you know, trans-mask rep in Why the Last Man, the very short-lived series, which unfortunately does not seem to have a new home right now in which... A virus wipes out everybody on Earth who has a Y chromosome, which is predominantly uh cisgender men. But the show does acknowledge that there are all sorts of men who've actually survived this uh genetic apocalypse. And, and you know, and it was just an all-around great series as well, showing that, uh, you know, maybe a matriarchy, you know, is both better and worse than we give it credit for, that... Turns out, regardless of gender, we're all people who are desperate and will do anything to survive. It was such a wonderful series. I love that it gave a lot of mask props as well. Even if it meant the surviving cis man was going around and saying, oh yeah, I was looking for testosterone. (laughs) That's a good cover. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I look, and you know, I was actually a little bit sadder that trans women died in the series than I
3: were that cis men died. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) That's, that's true. Like, you know, that was, that was my, you know, either way, you know, trans rep is trans rep and you know, it's still a shout out. We still got that. Um, nobody else has mentioned, but I really want to say chapel weight was absolutely one of my favorites. The 10 episode, um, I forget which platform it was currently on. Oh, Stan. Mm. It was on Stan. That's right. Uh, a Stephen King adaptation. It absolutely blew me out of the water. Each week I kept coming back, binging the second an episode dropped. The series was haunting, heartfelt, and satisfying and strangely wholesome because this is a, this is a, a period horror piece that, you know, also just has just a really lovely family in it, you know, with, Adrian Brody playing a very stoic father who's also very you know, very loving towards his children as well, even with all of this horror happening around him. Plus it's a horror story in which people do not make terrible decisions. Which, yes. Which is very refreshing.
1: And they can't find any reasons to take Adrian Brody's shirt off, which is fine
3: too. <laughs> so I mean um, I mean I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. Now, Invincible, Haley, you and I are in total agreement on this one.
2: Yeah. I found it to be one of the best shows this year. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I went into it, uh, thinking I was going to hate it. <laughs> I absolutely, I was, I thought this was going to be like Watchmen all over again. And I was just going to go into this, just like I went into the, the movie, Watchmen movie and just be like, I'm going to hate every single moment of this. But no, I loved it. It was, it was both a deconstruction and a love letter to superheroes, which is really, really refreshing to see. Um, and, I just had to get more, so I ended up, like, binging the comics <laughs> for, like, I think there was, like, 12 days straight when no one could really contact me, and I just emerged <laughs> from my cave, and, like, I have read the entirety of Invincible, <laughs> give me props and possibly head pats. That, um, that is a
3: lot of Invincible. I, th- I think it was, uh, like, 150 issues or something? Well, I,
2: yeah, close to. that's it's, I think it's, like, more 160, I'm not too sure. I can't quite remember. I just remember I read a lot of it.
3: Now, when we talk superhero deconstruction, we talk things like uh, Watchmen Mm -hmm. um, is a good classic. Uh, The Boys is probably the most prominent example of the moment. Both The Boys and Invincible are out on Prime Video. But I feel that where Invincible stands apart is that while it shows us the brutality of how superheroism would play out in the real world. Invincible does the same, but it's not steeped in the same misanthropy.
2: Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite clear the people who thought up the, of the boys, like the, the original writers of that series, hate, kind of, are done with the co- superheroes and the comic book industry in that regard. Whereas, um... The ones behind Invincible kind of still love comics. That's always still been- love superheroes. So it's like this is this is them being a little too excited, being like, "Let's have some super violence in here, but let's also <laughs> be like, man, superheroes are so awesome!" Right?
3: I'm really looking forward to with Invincible as well the fact that if you have read the comics, you know that the status quo will change mm. a lot. That it's not just going to stay the stories of a teenage superhero. That it's going to go on to to many different directions beyond the stars
1: has it been officially commissioned for other seasons yes it has oh nice so Mm -hmm. we will be
3: seeing we will be seeing invincible season two in 2022 now something else i also want to bring up doom patrol i know we've all been watching this it's it's a personal queer favorite because it is there's a lot of rainbow flavors in this show Haley, it made your list what's What highlighted Doom Patrol for you?
2: Because it's a fantastic exploration of... There, I got it again. Fantastic exploration of found family, which for me as a queer person who doesn't have the best relationship with their parents and rest of the family, it's really important. Found family is, is a real hot topic issue in our community and it's nice to see some really great representation of that kind of concept on screen because we don't just see their like oh yeah uh, all their ups we also see their, their downs it's mm-hmm. it's all like everything laid bare what what it means to be found family what it means to be you know find your own kind of tribe
3: yeah well uh, we have like superheroes we have fantastic four mm-hmm. who are you know a family but here we have the doom patrol which takes it a step further and it's a found family of complete and utter abstract yeah. weirdos. So it's the black sheep of superhero families. Clayton Tamson, I know you loved Doom Patrol as well.
1: Uh, Tamson is much more up to date to me. Than me.
0: Yeah, it's a pro- yeah, like they- agree completely. It is one of those found families, and everyone's just an ace character in it, like just to flick around and watch through are we going on to our last one because the last one i'd have to say
3: all right let, let, let's just you know it deserves a mention because <laughs> we've been covering this
0: <laughs> every week <laughs> all
3: all like you know for the last several months Tamsin, your your last favorite Come my
0: on. last favorite and probably technically it would be number one but there's just so many this year is Bullet brothers dragula so you know the group of um eleven down to the four finalists over nine weeks was just amazing fighting it out for a hundred thousand dollars. Horror
3: themed <laughs> drag queens.
0: Horror glamour Go, um filth. Filth, thank you. <laughs>
3: RuPaul's <laughs> drag race meets Fear Factor oh, no. with monster costumes. But
0: also with with just a variety of drag personas. So an AFAB female, you, you know, drag queen um everyone trans, you know, just everyone represented, non-binary, so completely fun and happening.
3: So Dragulon, Shudder we've also got, you know, a whole bunch of Star Wars Star Trek, WandaVision, Marvel shows, check out Chapelweight, Doom Patrol as well, we love that stuff, Invincible on Amazon Prime, so much good stuff those are our hot picks for 2021. Next we're going to come back we're actually going to be talking 2021's cinema, as we've loved it the most. Folks, don't go anywhere
2: Five... Four, three, two, one. Geeks out. Our go.
3: Welcome back to our special two-hour episode where we're discussing the best things of the year that's been, as well as talking all the great stuff that's going to be coming out in this year. As- okay. We're being visited by three ghosts tonight, the ghosts of Christmas past. No, new <laughs> Year's
1: past and present new and year's present, New yes. Year's future, yeah. there we go.
3: Yeah, right now we're going to be talking, uh, myself, Miranda, Clayton, Tamsin and Haley are going to be talking our top films of 2021 that we've had so many out. Marvel has given us Black Widow, Shang-Chi the Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, Disney's dropped Encanto, Jungle Cruise and Ray and the Last Dragon on us. We recently had The Matrix Resurrections, The Green Knight, Willy's Wonderland, Paranormal Activity, Free Guy, The Suicide Squad, Justice League, The Snyder Cut, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, Old Gunpowder Milkshake, F9, The Fast Saga, and so much more. I want to start, like, Tamsin, you know, tell me your top of 2021.
0: Uh, look, I actually went nobody my top of 2021 because that was just came out of left field and did not expect it at all to be as good as it was um so nobody was from sal saul goodman saul goodman
3: bob saul goodman (laughs) (laughs) from better call saul originally breaking bad
0: he just stepped out to just this character that you just never would have seen coming from his kind of demeanor um so it's just Clever. Yeah, he usually
3: plays sleazy agents and lawyers in whatever it is he's doing, and this time he's playing a working class husband.
0: Yeah, who's... and he
3: ma- he manages to pull it off with some great action as well. One thing I loved about that film, Thamesin, is the dialogue. Oh. it was just so brilliantly understated. We we had a great action movie that didn't lean into cheap quips.
0: No and it, and it could have so easily he was a dad it could have fallen into the dad jokes but it was it was intelligent and really worth the watch so if you haven't seen it highly recommend going back and watching it
3: Now another one that I was waiting all year for and I was so super excited for this film was The Green Knight. Haley, I believe you and I are in agreement on this one.
2: Yeah, I this movie haunts me. It's such a great exploration of both like retelling of myths and toxic masculinity. Yeah. And like putting yourself in situations before you're ready, that kind of jumping the gun kind of thing. I both identified and hated <laughs> Gawain, right? So
3: Gawain, yes. Gawain,
2: yeah. I both identified and hated him so much. And it was just Sorry, gay ones, gay Gawain. Gawain. <laughs> Can't forget that. Pronunciation. Yeah, there we go. Um, but it was just, it was a fantastic exploration of like, these tales, like, get retold over and over and over again. Like, what's true? What's myth? What does it really matter? It's, yeah.
3: I I would have thought, um, you know, Tamsin, you saw this film on my recommendation. You and I generally disagree when it comes to pace. And this was a very, a very slow, methodical film. I would have thought you'd have hated it.
0: I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. definitely isn't in my top favourites, but it was worth the watch. It is. A, it's it's, it's yeah. absolutely
3: a cinematically it, beautiful oh, film.
0: It's so beautiful. And and I was ready for the pace, so it was what I expected. Mm. But, yeah, beautiful cinematics.
3: It did divide audiences because I think folks who went in expecting an Arthurian adventure epic, which I think, you know, was actually a lot of folks you know, we're going to be disappointed because, you know, we, we don't even get so much as a sword fight in this, really. Um, You know, it's entirely a character piece. It's a deconstruction of the ideas of Arthurian romance and chivalry. And when I talk romance, I don't necessarily talk couples in love or anything like that, but rather the, the rose-colored glasses that we tend to paint over historical figures and realizing that characters like uh Gawain and Arthur aren't necessarily as wonderful the men as we've always painted them out to be. So, it, it's definitely one of my picks of the year. Clayton, uh, you know, I want to know what yours is. You know? uh,
1: before I jump into mine, I want to um, make an observation about this was a year, and for a very good reason, where- film um was actually secondary to television so hmm. really the big releases of the year are actually all over the television because of covid mostly and, and so it's a really interesting year there aren't as many films to say i love so many films and <laughs> i yeah yeah definitely there was films i liked but not as many as i'd normally go for so my first choice here um i actually would have to go with candy man so the Jordan Pill led, um, directed by Nat, can't think of her last name. Um, so it's just, it was an amazing sort of reimagining slash continuation of this, the Candyman story. And I just loved it so much. Huge horror fan. I love the original Candyman and based on the work of a queer author as well. So,
3: I mean, this is, uh, this has a lot more. I haven't seen the first film. Mm-hmm. I have seen the new one and it stands alone and I can understand it on that basis, but. They don't explore the themes of the first one as well as they do with the same sort of personal in-depth as they do in the sequel, I understand.
1: Yeah, it's um. What I really liked about the sequel actually was it actually told more of the story about why certain things happened in the original that we didn't sort of understand how that could happen. Um, and that was around um who the Candyman is and being a, a collection of entities rather than just one specific entity. So that was really great storytelling, I thought. And the new version covered so much um interesting story and with great new ways of looking at it from a much more um it's always been a black story, but the sec this more recent one had such more of a black storytelling to it. So
3: I mean the first one had a white protagonist mm-hmm. as well. Yes. And this one is you know definitely more a story you know by black creators black stars all of that which is perfect for it and you had strong feelings about this film as well
0: oh hugely this is my best horror of the year um 100 percent. the commentary on current society and what what's coming out of it and what's being put into it um with gentrification and across the board was fantastic and yeah as you said nina da costa um thank you as yeah <laughs> I, I i looked it up for <laughs> but um her portrayal and her direction with this one is complete i actually watched the first one and then watched this just so I could sit there and look at the differences and how.
3: And just get the full context. Yeah,
0: exactly. I and mean, you didn't have to have done that. And as you said, you didn't watch the first one. And, you know, standalone movie, completely, uh, you know, watchable and loved it. Absolutely. Where yeah. the
1: real vil- villain is gentrification. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> now, Haley, I want to turn my attention back to you for a moment. One thing that you and I agree on Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 thrice upon a time you and i as as anime fans have been waiting for the better part of forever for this film to come out
2: i, I feel like i aged at least 20 decades while waiting <laughs> for this film but wow did they deliver they, they- i it, it's hard to even put into words how what this film meant as both an Evangelion fan and just as a very depressed millennial, <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, God, what a depiction of depression and what a depiction of like, it gets better. It was, oh, uh, yeah.
3: It's, it's really interesting the journey the series has made. Um, originally, for folks who are not familiar, Neon Genesis Evangelion was a series produced uh, or created by Hideaki Anno mm-hmm. um, for Gainax in Japan in the late 1990s. They ran out of funding in the last two episodes. <laughs> didn't quite get to finish the series as they wanted, but they did release a movie after. Arno wasn't totally happy with it. So thus was born the Evangelion Rebuild series. We had one, two, three films come out. Starting the way the series did, but then going in a whole other direction. And we've been waiting, I think, for the better part of a decade or more for the final installment to come out. And, you know, I think we all anticipated a masterpiece, but not a masterpiece at this level. Arno, Arno has really lifted his game with this. And we've got this great piece of emotional, dramatic science fiction machine horror with also, I love japan's take on christianity through a (laughs) sci-fi lens it's just such a a weird beautiful horrifying beast and you know if you have a chance to to watch the film series they stand on their own um they're completely divorced from the series do check that out that's uh that's our recommendation
1: i certainly remember you two fan personing out over it very much very heavily yeah
2: yeah. i mean (laughs) you know it's evangelion
3: it's giant robots I mean, well, it, it's not to love. It's it, it, blah. That's yeah. all. <laughs> That's all <laughs> I rah, have rah. to say. <laughs> um, I, I just want to throw in for myself, you know, a, a film that I loved this year was Willy's Wonderland. Which, uh, if you if you're not familiar, it's an adaptation of the video game Five Nights at Freddy's with the serial numbers <laughs> filed off. So a lot of folks have been wanting to make a Five Nights at Freddy's um, film. Which is, you know, all about, you know, animatronic restaurant creatures that go crazy and and butcher people. Um, we, we get Willy's Wonderland this time around starring Nicolas Cage in what has to be my favorite role of his as a completely silent <laughs> character. Just saying nothing and kicking ass while cleaning up a restaurant at night. That's got to be... My last second uh, recommendation.
1: Look, a great companion piece. That would be the Banana Splits movie, which is a very similar story.
3: (laughs) I mean, that's exactly what that's. That's another one. Also, with the serial numbers filed off, wanting to be Five Nights at Freddy. Mm -hmm. Lots of great stuff on here that we haven't mentioned. Free Guy, The Suicide Squad, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Clayton, you love The Eternals.
1: Now, I was going to ask, I think we should quickly go around the table in like 10 seconds and just say what our favourite of the Marvel movies was this year and mine was The Eternals.
3: Miranda? Uh, oh, uh, I actually like Black Widow. Okay. the most. Yeah. Oh,
0: Spider-Man, no way home.
2: Mm-hmm. Haley? Yeah, Spider-Man. Sorry, Miranda.
3: Yeah, that, that's alright. Everyone's entitled to their opinion and <laughs> um, everyone's entitled to be wrong. Um, <laughs> kidding, kidding, of course. Folks, you are listening to Geeks Out. We're going to be coming back for a second hour talking about 2022 and all the things we're excited for.
0: This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.